everyone. My name is Andrea. And my name is Tanisa. And welcome to episode 27 of Hearing Us Believing, a podcast where we discuss different topics and stories that center around our Catholic faith. So like always, just wanted to remind everybody that we are not uh, theologians, we are not experts, and we do not speak on behalf of the Catholic Church. We just are two everyday girls that like talking about angels and demons and sharing these stories with each other. So Andrea, what is new with you? Oh my goodness, we've had such a busy month. It's been ridiculous. I think the newest things with me is probably going to be the same thing you're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Except for maybe one slight difference. I'm still house hunting. I've seen a lot of condos and townhouses. I made a couple offers. I was rejected a couple times. Um, It doesn't feel good when you're rejected, when you put an offer in a house. Um, But... Yeah, it's it's been an emotional roller coaster this last month, and then also physical because Tamisa, drumroll please. I moved. Ooh, and that was a process. <laughs> that was a process. That was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Moving is not fun. It is really taxing. Um. And yeah, it was just a lot to organize and to do and settle back in. Um, but I mean, I'm really happy that we did it. I We made this big move because I actually am going back to school. I'm getting my master's degree. So we moved closer to the university um, to make things just a little bit easier. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. We are not in Chicago anymore. So it's a different... F- pace of life yeah you and julio are not in chicago anymore yeah that's the we i meant sorry yes me and julio are no longer in chicago you are now far 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 away (laughs) yeah it's okay you're still a drivable distance away it's not too bad but oh my goodness moving day oh that was so stressful mom and i got there early and I swear we had all your no, we had all these boxes and it just felt like we were playing Tetris trying to like organize it. So like there was no spaces between any of the boxes, everything that needed to be on top or was light needed mm-hmm. to fit just right. So it wouldn't topple over, you know, with speed bumps or potholes or sudden breaking. That's the hardest part. It's it's always fitting everything in the cars that's the most stressful thing because I have no spatial awareness whatsoever. Like I can pack everything, I can put them in the boxes, but do not ask me to fit boxes inside a U-Haul or cars. It's just, it's not my, my thing. It's not where my talent lies. So yeah, thankfully, you know, thank God it all fit in our cars. We had a caravan going on with all of our our own personal cars, your car that you volunteered, you know, Julio's family cars that offered to help, plus a U-Haul. Whew, it was, like I said, it was an ordeal. <laughs> Thank God for the movers, the professional movers that you hired, because mm-hmm. they helped with basically all the really big, heavy stuff that there was mm-hmm. no way any of us would be able to lift without hurting ourselves. Yeah. So, that was huge. I'm going to have to really consider that when it's time for me to move, whenever, you know, I actually buy a house mm-hmm. and I have to move all my stuff. 
Yep. I'm probably going to take a, a, no, a page out of your book. Yeah, I highly recommend it. You know, save up for it. Um, do your research. Plan ahead. And if it's within, you know, your means, I recommend anybody to do it. Because, you know, people get injured when they move. You know, objects are heavy. Beds are heavy. Furniture is heavy. Just, it's it's never worth your health. So if you can save up for it, if you can do it, get movers. It makes your life so much easier. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this month. It's just been so hectic. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of ready to move on past that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are we going to be talking about, Samisa? Today, I am going to share a really interesting story. I'm going to talk about the history and the ghost of the St. Nicholas Croatian Catholic Church in Millville, Pennsylvania. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Millville, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Ooh. Okay. Ghost. I'm behind that. Okay. East Coast. It's going to have a lot of stories, a lot of history. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. What about you, Andrea? I, so I have had St. Joseph on my mind a lot this last, like, <laughs> these last couple of weeks. Yeah. Probably because of the house hunting and everything. Gotta pray to St. Joe. I'm praying to St. Joseph and, you know, asking him to intercede on my behalf because St. Joseph, along with his many other, um, what's the word? Talents? (laughs) I can't think. I'm blanking. St. Joseph is the patron saint of a lot of stuff. Yes. One of them being house buying and selling because Mm -hmm. he is the patron saint of, of homes or one of the patron saints of homes. So I've been thinking about him a lot because I need him right now, like so badly in my life. Yeah, he'll have your back. No, just trust in the process, trust in in God. He's going to have your back. Yes. So now I am going to be sharing his life story, or at least the bit that we know. Ooh, I'm very excited. All right, Andrea, I am ready. Okay, so... For those of you who are not as familiar with St. Joseph or might be confused as to who I'm talking about, St. Joseph is the spouse of the Virgin Mary, and he was the earthly father of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It is understood that St. Joseph was from Nazareth. There's a couple of, there are some people who say he wasn't from Nazareth and that they just settled there, but other than that, he was from Nazareth. Nazareth in Galilee. Mm-hmm. So as I'd mentioned before, St. Joseph is the patron saint of home buying and selling, but not only is he the patron saint of that, he is also the patron saint of the universal church. Unborn children, fathers, pregnant women, workers, carpenters, and he's also the patron saint of a happy death. Happy death. I didn't know that one. A happy death? Yeah. I'll tell you why in a little bit why he's the patron saint of a happy death. Um, okay. But, I mean, it's not like it's like the big, big like the, the biggest, craziest story in the world. It's just an understanding. But I'll tell you in a minute. So, mm-hmm. because he's the patron saint of a lot of different, a lot of different things, there's multiple feast days where we celebrate St. Joseph. Primarily, all of March is understood to be 
dedicated to St. Joseph. March 19th, we recognize St. Joseph because he is the husband of Mary. And then Mm -hmm. on May 1st, we celebrate St. Joseph because he represents all workers. But March 19th is the most commonly celebrated feast of St. Joseph. And not just in the Catholic Church, he's also recognized in the Lutheran Church, the Lutheran denomination, Anglican, and other denominations also recognize Mm -hmm. him as well as the Eastern Orthodox. That's cool. It's cool to see like he's something that is carried across like different, um, how would I say like variations of Christianity, I guess, or like um, denominations. Yeah, denominations. Thank you. Because I know, for example, not every form of Christianity recognizes Mary in the same way that the Catholic Church does. So it's cool to see how it's a bit different for St. Joseph. Well, I, it's more so that he's recognized as the father, the earthly father of Jesus Christ. And he did a lot for Jesus, you know, raised him, taught him, protected him. Again, we'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. So whenever we look at an image of St. Joseph, he's depicted in a couple different ways. He's either depicted with carpenter's uh, tools or a carpenter's square. He's also shown sometimes holding the infant known Jesus. You'll also see him with like a staff with lily blossoms. Sometimes you'll see two turtle doves. Sometimes he's shown as an older, as an older gentleman with the great hair. Sometimes you don't see him with gray hair. Sometimes you see him as a younger man, but also holding a baby Jesus and holding a rod with uh, with lily blossoms on there. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, he's usually holding baby Jesus. Yeah. Now, we don't know a lot about the life of St. Joseph because a lot of his life is only recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Mm-hmm. In the Gospel of Luke, he is mentioned as the father of Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, we know him to be a carpenter because the skeptics of Nazareth, when Jesus starts preaching, they're like, hey, isn't he the carpenter's son? So there's a mention of St. Joseph right there. And we know he wasn't rich because in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus is taken to the temple after he was born to be circumcised and Mary was taken to be purified, St. Joseph offered two turtle doves to be sacrificed, and turtle doves were only accepted if the person making the offering was too poor to be able to afford a lamb. Mm. So it's kind of, it's it's very much like a symbol of him coming from like humble origins or like of a humble standing. Yeah, he was of humble origins, um, Mm -hmm. but very hardworking because he was a tradesman who's a craftsman dedicated to woodworking Mm -hmm. another thing we know about saint joseph is his lineage which is mentioned in the gospel of matthew so i mention lineage because jesus's lineage is always very important the gospel of luke does the lineage of mary and traces her back to nathan one of the sons of king david with bathsheba Mm mm-hmm but in the Gospel of Matthew, it's found that Joseph's ancestor, he, his line comes from Solomon. And Solomon mm-hmm. was the chosen heir, the chosen king to succeed King David. So because yeah. of that, 
Joseph is a son of David from the chosen line. And we know for sure that Joseph is descended from David because the angel who first tells Joseph that about Jesus greets him as son of David. Mm-hmm. And this is very important because the prophets from the Old Testament always taught that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Oh, okay. I have a, a real quick quote from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. He says, The espousals between Joseph and Mary are an episode of great importance. Joseph was of the royal line of David, and in virtue of his marriage to Mary, would confer on the son of the virgin, on God's son, the legal title of son of David, thus fulfilling the prophecies. There is no disputing that Jesus, the Messiah, is an heir to the throne of David, to the kingdom of David. He is descended from the chosen line, from the chosen son. That's really cool. I didn't realize, because the thing is, I knew that St. Joseph, his lineage comes from King David. Um, Because the same thing, like you mentioned, I remember that line, son of David. But I wasn't really aware that the Virgin Mary also had a lineage linked back to David. I I always knew that, you know, she was Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. But it's really neat to see that both of them have this important lineage that, like the Pope said, is like just solidifies that Jesus is the chosen one. Yes. Another thing we know about St. Joseph is that he was compassionate. He was a very caring man. Mm-hmm. When he found out that Mary was pregnant while they had been betrothed, Joseph and, and Mary, mm-hmm. he didn't go and like publicly shame her he knew that Mm -hmm. child wasn't his but because he didn't want to accuse her of adultery where you know a woman who was accused of adultery would have been stoned to death he no was like okay you know let's just send her away not gonna accept her that shows that he didn't want no anything cruel to happen to to marry and -hmm. also didn't want to bring any shame to her as well so you know, he was kind and caring. Yeah, and like what you're trying to say is that like that wasn't the norm for the time. Like, oh no, it would during that time and that culture. Like, he would have been totally within his rights to just like, like you said, like have her stoned and essentially have her murdered for having a child out of wedlock. Yes, and we also know he was very devout. He believed and truly followed his God. Because when the angel came to him in a, in a dream and told him, uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And because this was a message, he believed this to you know, this angel to be a messenger from God. He did as the angel told him. And took Mary to be his wife. So we know he's mm-hmm. religious. He's devout. And apart from, and on top of that, we know he is a protector of his family. After Jesus is born in Bethlehem, he receives another dream from this angel telling him that his family is in danger. Because King Herod is killing all the children who were infants. So two years or younger. Mm-hmm. And so he fled and took his family with him to Egypt until he received another dream that it was safe to return because Herod had died. Mm 
Oh, I didn't know that there was a second dream. I knew about like him being told through the dream that he, they needed to leave. I didn't realize that he had one as well saying like, yeah, it's, it's cool to come back. He's kicked the bucket. You're, you're, you're safe now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, had, oh he had received a message that it was time to return. Mm-hmm. And so once they returned, they didn't go through the same route they took before when they went to Bethlehem. They took a different route and go. they go to Nazareth. Um, as I'd mentioned before, there's a couple of like um, discussions about where Joseph was originally from. His family was from Bethlehem because that's why they went to Bethlehem. That's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem because there was a census going on and every man... And his family had to return to their you know, to their place of origin. Okay, that makes sense. That whole little story right there, if you know your, your Christmas stories about the journey mm-hmm. to Bethlehem, it was because of the census. And that's why they're in the manger, because everyone was there for the census. There was nowhere for them to stay. Hence, Jesus was born in a manger. Cool, that, that's neat. So they return to Galilee, they go to Nazareth, and that's where Joseph raises his son. We know Joseph loved Jesus and was concerned for his safety. The last mention that we find of St. Joseph in the gospel is when Jesus was lost in Jerusalem for three days. Mm-hmm. He and the Virgin Mary were searching frantically throughout Jerusalem, trying to find little kid, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they found him in the temple. And then Jesus is like, why are you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Of course, he's talking about God, St. Joseph and mm-hmm. the Virgin Mary. Both didn't understand that. They're like, what? All confused. But that's the last mention we find of St. Joseph in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because there's never a mention of St. Joseph during Jesus's public life and his public ministry, it's assumed that St. Joseph passed away. As I mentioned before, St. Joseph is known as the patron saint of a happy death. Mm-hmm. That is because it is assumed that he died with Jesus and Mary close to him. And it's a way that a lot of us want to go. It's surrounded by our family. It's surrounded by our loved ones. That is, like, a nice idea that he must have been with them because I feel like if it were something more tragic, they would have been a, they would have written about it, you know? Exactly. And if St. Joseph had been alive during uh, Jesus's public ministry or, or at the time of his death, like, we would know because Jesus wouldn't have entrusted Mary, his mother, you know, to the care of John, of one of his apostles, if St. Joseph had been alive, you wouldn't have seen uh, Jesus Christ be buried in someone else's you know, tomb or his burial wouldn't have been in- taken care of by other people. St. Mm-hmm. Joseph would have taken care of that as that would be yeah. his son. That's a good point. And I really thought about that. Mm-hmm. I wonder then if, well, I'm thinking about like other cultures where I know like a tomb is like the whole family is within one tomb, similar to like a mausoleum and now like nowadays. But how come, how come Jesus wasn't buried in the same tomb as Saint Joseph? Was Saint Joseph not buried in a tomb? Was it too far away? Just like random thoughts. 
I, I mean, I don't have the answers for this, but if I think about it, St. Joseph was buried in Nazareth. Jesus died in Jerusalem. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I Traveling with a, a, a body, I don't think is something that really would have happened. Yeah, that probably most definitely wouldn't be an easy task. Even though it's not like terribly, terribly far. Um, back in those days, like you're either walking or maybe if you're lucky, you have like a donkey or a camel or something like that. So, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I guess I just randomly thought about that, but okay. Yeah. Sorry to, to derail. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's, that's a good question. Like I wouldn't have thought of that, but it, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> but I don't think, I, I think that just adds on to just like points out that if St. Joseph had been alive, like you think he would have done something to take care of his son or he would have been mentioned in, yeah. in all of those stories because those are like pivotal moments in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If St. Joseph was alive, he would be mentioned too. Yeah, he would be a part of it. Exactly. So that is the life and death what we know of the life and death of saint joseph whenever we think about saint joseph we can't help but think of the holy family as he makes up one third of that it's him jesus christ and the virgin mary Mm -hmm. there's a lot of places around the world that are named after saint joseph the most common form especially in latin america is san jose which is actually the number one uh most common name for any place around the world is San Jose. Really? I didn't realize that was so common. Yeah, it's it's very common. And then, um, so another thing I really want to point out is this year, December 8th, 2020 to December 8th, 2021, is dedicated as the year of St. Joseph, thanks to Pope Francis. In 1870, Pope Pius IX declared St. Joseph the patron of the Universal Church. And this year, Mm -hmm. 2020, well, this last year, December 2020, was the 150th anniversary of St. Joseph being the patron of the Universal Church. So So Pope Francis declared all the rest of 2020 and all of 2021 to be the year of St. Joseph. That's awesome, Andrea. You realize what that means. That means you're definitely going to find your your house this year. I mean, like he you know, he's a patron saint of home and home life, so I feel like that's that's a big sign that it's going to work out this year. God willing. I think so. The last thing I want to mention is have you heard of the consecration to Our Lady? I kind of have heard about it. I have heard about the consecration to saint joseph yes there is a consecration to saint joseph we actually learned about it from one of our lovely listeners Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about the consecration to saint joseph until i was literally doing research on saint joseph and when i came across this this website yearofsaintjoseph.org this is from father donald calloway who actually has a podcast uh, and he talks about the consecration to saint joseph he explains that when you consecrate yourself to St. Joseph, you're basically acknowledging St. Joseph as your spiritual father and that you want to be like him. 
you're basically mm-hmm. entrusting yourself to his care or basically you're asking him to for his undivided attention his protection and his guidance to that will lead you to god mm-hmm. uh when you're consecrated to to our lady you're recognizing her as your spiritual mother and it only mm-hmm. makes sense that you consecrate yourself to saint joseph as he is your spiritual father so you need you know both figures you're not in a single family home you know we have mm-hmm. both our parents here available to us yeah no single parent home i don't know why i said single family single parent household yeah that's really neat i i like that idea i feel like it's something that literally everybody could benefit from i know it's something that i i want me and julia to do together it's a i know there's like a a really handy book that you can purchase and go through and it's like a day by day thing yes so father calloway actually has a book whose website I, i have all this information from Years of mm-hmm. year of Saint Joseph.org. No, you need to hear it again. He mm-hmm. has a book and it's basically six weeks that are leading up to the consecration. So mm-hmm. if you want to consecrate yourself on Saint Joseph's feast day, which is March nineteenth, you wanna make sure you start the the, the, the process, the journey on February fifteenth, because it's a thirty three day journey. Mm-hmm. to consecrate yourself to him so if you start on a leap year though you need to do it on february 16th and not february 15th just keep that okay. in mind yeah good to know yes so that is essentially my story about our topic on saint joseph a little bit of his life what we can do to be more like him I like that. And I appreciate you doing this topic because I know, at least personally in my life, um, I feel like St. Joseph does kind of fall uh, to the back sometimes when I think about the Holy Family because obviously Jesus is always at the forefront. It's something people are always thinking about when they're thinking about faith. And then I know both you and I feel like a devotion to to the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, some, you know, St. Joseph deserves his t- his time in the spotlight too. He deserves a little love yeah mm-hmm. so yeah awesome. that's that's my story all right Tamisa. Awesome. now that i have warmed your little heart let's mm-hmm. tear it apart again give me some ghost stories <laughs> yeah let's let's hop into it so it's not gonna be tearing apart but it's definitely gonna make you feel a little uncomfortable and have some new history um under your belt because i thought this story and history about this church is very unique very cool Um, So yeah, let's hop into talking about St. Nicholas Catholic Church in Millville, Pennsylvania. Um, So this town is very special because it was part of the first ethnic Croatian parish in the U.S. So it's it's really a pretty big deal. St. Nicholas's church had a priest in 1937 named Father Albert Zager, and he commissioned Maxo Vanka, an immigrant, just like most of the growing community there, to paint a set of murals inside of the church. So Father Zager and Maxo Vanka, which I'm just going to go by Vanka, they're the two key players in this story. So who is this artist Maxo Vanka? He was born in Zagreb, Croatia in 1889. I've been there. there. You've been there? I've been to Zagreb, just the airport, but I've been to Zagreb, Croatia. Oh. 
Yeah, when uh when I was fifteen, we um we flew from Italy to Zagreb, to Croatia, and then took a bus from Croatia to Bosnia when we went to mm-hmm. Medjugorje. Oh, so. that's cool. We didn't go through Zagreb. We went through, ah, uh, we went somewhere else, somewhere up in the S. I can't remember what Sarajevo. it's called. Yeah, I think no, we didn't go through Sarajevo. I can't remember. Something. That sounded silly to me. Split. We went to Split. That's in Croatia? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, when I when I went to Croatia um, to go to uh, Medjugorje, we, we landed in Split. So, we didn't go through Zag- Zagreb, Croatia. Hmm. But, hey, we've, we've both been to Croatia. I know. We both have that very small link there where we, we've been through Croatia briefly. So very exciting yes anyways vanka our good man vanka he attended the royal academy of boy arts in brussels belgium and during the first world war because again this is you know early 1900s um during the first world war world war he served in the belgium red cross and during the entire time he was a pacifist but he witnessed a lot of the carnage and the just pure devastation that comes with war during his time with the Red Cross. And that carnage really had a lasting impact on his work. So his work became well known in Europe. Um, his murals were his murals and paintings were often on display. But as fascism grew in Europe, Vanka and his wife decided to move to New York in 1934. So in 1937, when Father Zagger approaches Vanka with the offer to, you know, paint these murals inside of their church, um, Zagger took him up on the offer. And he created these amazing, beautiful, yet in a, in a way very disturbing uh, murals in the, in the church. You know, the murals are very much influenced on his time in the war. Um, it's very, very powerful. I highly recommend looking up um, on Google St. Nicholas Croatian Catholic Church um, murals, and you'll see a lot of his work. Pretty much everything in there it, he did himself. Um, but to kind of give you a bit of a taste right now, he has two images of Christ and also the Virgin Mary being attacked and stabbed with bayonets. And, you know, it's very much embodies how how gruesome the war was but also how it is linked to their catholic faith and of you know the soldiers and the communities that were impacted by the war so it is it is very heavy but it's incredible highly recommend to look it up saint what was it saint nicholas what saint nicholas croatian catholic church oh yeah it just like oh it is a bayonet Mm-hmm. That's a World War One uh, attire. Yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely they're very heavy images, but I definitely think they're really powerful. Because, like I said, it it depicts the horrors of war, but also like the hardships that the immigrants have gone through, and really how faith has supported them through that experience. Yeah, he has a certain style. Yeah, it's, 
it's a really interesting style. In some of my research, I saw people comparing him to Diego Rivera, and I definitely... I can see it. Yeah, that style is very similar. So it's, I thought it was really interesting. But so, so now that you see some of those pictures, Andrea, and listeners, again, highly recommend looking up some of these images. Picture him at night painting these, these murals. Because that is what he did. He, he decided he was going to paint at night so that he wouldn't be disturbed. He even had the father, you know, banned from coming inside of the church while he was, pan- while he was painting so that he would be able to focus. Mm-hmm. So one night when he's starting to paint mm-hmm. and while he was on top of the scaffolding, Vanka started hearing some noises. And initially, he just thought it was his imagination. Obviously, you know, you're focusing, you're in a place alone, you're going to start hearing things. Um, But he just, you know, maybe he just wasn't used to it. So he kind of brushed it off. But on the fourth night of working, he looked down and saw a robed figure making movements with its arms. (laughs) I know, it's it's crazy. Like, even just picturing it, like, you, you look down, you just see somebody and somebody's just, like, wiggling their arms like the inflatable tube man that's just kind of what i picture <laughs> like what no. you see outside of car car dealerships <laughs> that looks a little bit more fun though just waving your arms like that but i mean like was the monk or, or the the person who was in those robes looking at him looking somewhere he, else he said he couldn't see it he said he couldn't make up much of the details he just saw a robed figure making movements with its arms it kind of makes me wonder what the ghost was thinking. Like, hey, you get down from there. It's dangerous. Waving his arms back and forth to get attention. I don't know. I have to make light of it. Yeah, no worries. I totally understand. I kind of, and you know, even at that time, Vanka himself didn't think too much of it. He thought maybe uh, Father Cigar was um, inside of the church and was simply trying to be quiet, not to disturb him, but that he had come in without his permission. So, Vanka just decided to ignore the figure and went back to work. But during he, while he was working, he did realize like, oh, the priest's dog is outside barking, but the priest is inside. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But anyways, he pushed it aside, kept working. And when he was done with his work, he left the church around 2 a.m. And Father Cigar was outside waiting for him you know with coffee and cake and when you know vanka asked him where he had been the priest said that he had not gone inside the church again vanka decides not to put too much thought into the incident and just moves on it's several days later and nothing else happens things to be pretty calm Uh but again on that eighth night around midnight vanka looks down from the scaffolding and he sees the hooded man again and the strange figure was making gestures with his arms and mumbling as he walked up and down the aisles of the church at seeing this vanka felt a strange chill just like i'm sure maybe you're feeling right now because i know i'm feeling it right now Uh so he, he felt a strange chill just rush over him and he was like i need to finish this and get out of here so he rushed finished his work and by the time he was done which was around 12 30 the man had disappeared okay so the the hooded figure was mumbling to himself Mm -hmm. but how could he know if he had his hood up and he could never see the person's face because he could hear it he could hear it oh exactly okay 
All right. And he, you said he was making gestures? He was making gestures with his arms again, but this time he was mumbling to himself. So you could hear him <gasps> mumbling. Oh, so it's like every four days. You see it and it mm. gets worse. Oh, exactly. Ugh. Don't tell me something's going to happen on the 12th day. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But, you know, let's let's just think about this night right now. He okay. sees that, he gets scared, and he rushes, finishes his work. And as soon as he's done, um, the figure's gone. But he decides to go directly to the rectory where he finds the priest asleep. Uh-huh. And Vanka thinks that, you know, maybe the priest is sleepwalking. But Father Sagar uh, dismissed it. He's like, nope, I do not sleepwalk. And... This kind of prompts the priest to tell Vanka that, you know, there has been a story circulating at the church for about the last 15 years. You know, no big deal. But several parishioners claim that they had encounters with a ghostly figure in the church. You know, there were arguments about, you know, who the ghost was, you know, the nature of it. But nobody ever came to any real conclusions. So Father Cigar had pretty much figured it would be best to not mention it before this um because he didn't want to scare vanka and he had he personally had never seen the apparition so he wasn't really totally sold on the idea that there was a ghost but he decides to finally tell vanka after all these experiences it's like oh now that you've been doing it now that you're on the job here let me tell you the how the church is haunted yeah it's it's allegedly haunted yeah, maybe, possibly. More than likely. More than likely at this point. So yeah, so obviously um, they're both starting to get intrigued and a little scared. So the two of them decide that at 11 p.m. each night, Father Zagar would come into the church and stay with Vanka until he finished painting. The next night, the priest entered the church and was starting to make jokes about the ghost because... <laughs> I guess that's what you do when you're scared is you try to just laugh it off. But as you can imagine, he stopped joking once he and Banka started hearing loud knocking coming from the back of the church. Loud, loud knocking? Yeah, loud knocking. So it's almost like the ghost is like, hey, I need one of you to leave so I can go in. Yeah, exactly. He's like, do you mind? You're kind of in my way. Yeah, so so they hear this noise, and Father Zogar decides to walk towards the, no- the noise and says, If you're a ghost, if you are a dead man, go with God. Peace to you. I'll pray for you. Only please don't bother us. Just then, Vanka saw the apparition materialize in the fourth pew. And according to the artist, it was an old man with a very strange, angular face. And within seconds, he had disappeared before Father Zagar even had the chance to see the ghost. So, again, the priest is still pretty skeptical. Wait, so the priest didn't say anything? Only, only... Only Vanka did. Yeah. So, only Vanka saw, but the father did not. The priest did not. Yeah, exactly. So, they both heard the noise. Father Vanka, I mean, Father Zagar went to talk to the, to the ghost. And while he was communicating saying go with god i will pray with you i will pray for you vanka who had kind of stayed behind saw the ghost materialize saw his face saw his features and then he disappeared pretty quickly so quickly that the priest didn't get a chance to see him (sighs) okay so yeah so the priest didn't see the ghost with his own eyes so he remained a bit skeptical 
But as with anything, when there's a story like this, his skepticism is soon going to disappear. Because later that night, when he had gone to bed, he started hearing the loud knocking noise from his own room. Oh, 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 he's moving. Yeah. I think he might have been gotten attached. He might have gotten attached to this priest. He's like, hey, you said you're going to pray for me. God damn it. Do it now. Exactly. I think so. Because, yeah, he heard the loud knocking and they were very similar to what he heard in the church. And, you know, the priest felt that cold chill run over him and he sensed the presence of somebody in there with him. So the priest started praying for the ghost soul again and asked him, to, to leave them and to leave Vanka alone and leave them in peace so he could work. And again, several nights passed without any incident. And Father Cigar started to believe that the ghost was honoring his requests. There was going to be no more disturbances. But of course, the knocks started up again. This time, Father Cigar went to the back of the church to investigate the noise. Real quick question. What day is it at this point? Because I lost count. It's several days from that. So it's probably been maybe about like three weeks at this point. I can't give you exact days. I know you're trying to see if there is a correlation with the number four. Yeah. (laughs) If it happens every four days. Multiples of four in some shape or form. Come on. I wish I could tell you. I'm that type as well where I'm trying to find the patterns with everything. But I can't tell you for sure. I have no (laughs) idea. Okay. All right. So knocking starts again. So yeah, so the the knock the knocks start happening again. Um, and this time, you know, the Father Cigar is there in the church and he hears it. He goes to investigate it. And Vanka, who is still on the scaffolding, saw the ghost materialize in the aisle. And this time, the apparition goes up to the altar into the eternal flame that had been lit for eight years at this point without ever going out. And when the ghost reached it, he blew out the fa- the flame <gasps> and then just disappeared. No. Mm-hmm. That seems malicious at this point. I think so too. That's a personal attack because that, that candle, like I said, been lit for eight years. It was protected with glass all around it so wind would never, you know, interfere with it. it, it that was deliberate. Whoa. Mm-hmm. But even then, even then, the priest didn't see the ghost. But when he turned around, he did turn around in time to see the flame go out but he didn't see the ghost but this time he's like you know what i believe you i do not doubt vanka's story this is happening oh oh that gives me chills i can just picture i can just picture a man in in a monk's clothing go up and just blow out the candle like yeah like i don't need this go away but yes, the ghost did continue to appear over the next few months while Vanka was working, so that sucks. <laughs> Not ideal. I don't think it's a great working environment. <laughs> no. Yeah. The artist was often, uh, you know, filled with a feeling of dread and of fear before the ghost appeared. And sometimes the feelings were so strong that Vanka would literally run out of the church. See, this, this this makes me think it's like some way, shape, or form like malicious because it's an, it's like it's feeding off of that too. Especially yeah. if you can't help but feel that way before it appears. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like it's like that spirit or ghost is 
tied to that feeling of dread like it's bringing about a reason to be dreadful to be afraid but if you feel the same way listeners let us know leave a comment we want to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts too yeah um but yeah so you know this continue to happen vanka is very dedicated to his job so you know he came up with the idea of stuffing his ears with cotton and wearing blindfolds made out of newspapers to try to block that presence from his field of vision and you know it that ghost would usually appear around 10 p.m i'm sorry between 11 p.m and midnight Mm -hmm. but there was one time in june that the ghost appeared early and it appeared around 9 p.m and it somehow ignited several candles near the altar and vanka did not touch those candles and just let them ex- extinguish by themselves. He's like, nope, not not dealing with that. Nope. But yeah, so despite the, all these incidents and shortly after that candle incident, Vanka did finish his murals and his work in, at St. Nicholas Church. Um, in 1941, so a couple years later, Vanka did return to St. Nicholas to paint a second set of murals, um, a lot more a lot of them were even more powerful than that first round but during that stay he had no encounters with the ghosts and to these to this day people can go and see Maxovanka's beautiful and haunting murals at the saint nicholas croatian catholic church and that is my story that was pretty good smisa that was a good one mm-hmm. oh that gave me the chills that gave me the creeps yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. And in my own personal opinion, I am inclined to believe that that ghost or entity is probably strongly related to the emotions that Max Ovanka was going through, um, painting, you know, reimagining and painting all of those images from the war. That's what I think. I think it was probably tied or was feeding off of his trauma from everything he experienced and that he was now you know putting to life on these walls okay i i i kind of think you might be on the right track with that uh mm-hmm. for sure the ghost had to have already been tied to the church and especially if people had already seen him before um mm-hmm. but definitely i think he was probably feeding off of him it's like ah oh, you give me life yeah i think so i think having that you know i, I think um when you have like a lot of emotions going on like i think it it makes sense that like it draws things to it you know like i think when people like we've talked about this before when people are at very lows in their life like maybe they were experiencing depression or trauma or abuse even when it comes to like you know demonic entities it's easier for them to kind of feed off of that and to take advantage so exactly that's yeah not saying that this ghost was demonic but you know it seems a little fishy to me with all that dread and fear yeah, I know. I completely agree. I think you have a, you definitely have a point there. But mm-hmm. yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. And oh, that was a good story to me. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to our, all of our listeners. Like always, we really appreciate you tuning in. Um, please don't forget to check out our Facebook page as well as our Twitter page at HIB podcast. And if you'd like to send us an email, share a story with us, a comment, if you don't feel comfortable on social media, you can always reach us at hearing is believing. 
podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you're listening to, consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.